20 to play. Hartenstein with a tough pass from Jackson. Another turnover. 18 of them for the Clippers. Jones denied by Jackson. Warfare at the rim. Jackson lobs to Hartenstein. Oh, he rattles the street lamp. Out on Figueroa. Boston. Knocks it down. Get used to it. 14 to 2 run in the third quarter. Clippers have the ball to start the final frame. Boston, good look at a three. Oh, his first NBA triple. It's a good one. Against much bigger players. Boston from the wing to the lane to the rim. Counted at a foul and send that young man to the line. What's up, what's up, what's up, L.A. basketball fans? Welcome to another episode of L.A. Courtside Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. And, of course, it's sponsored by DraftKings.com. As we march, keep marching to an all-L.A. Western Conference Finals between the L.A. Clippers and the L.A. Lakers. And in this episode, I'm going to focus on the L.A. Clippers and uh, their recent play. Uh, if you look at their schedule, the Clippers had won seven games in a row from Monday, November 1st, when they beat Oklahoma City, all the way to November 13th, when they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have been playing very, very good basketball. Paul George is playing at an MVP level. Let's just call it what it is. Definitely playing at an MVP level. He's one of the most, the, the smoothest shooters in the NBA when he's on top of his game it's just a wonderful beautiful thing to watch so they won seven games in a row and then Sunday November 14th in comes the Chicago Bulls now as you know I've been on the Chicago Bulls bandwagon since the beginning of the season this is a very very good basketball team over there in the Eastern Conference and I'm not saying that the Chicago Bulls is going to make it to the Eastern Conference finals or let alone win an NBA championship and things like that But they have something going over there in Chicago. They have a very, very, very good young basketball team. I find it kind of ironic that in these last two games that both of our L.A. teams have played, the Lakers and the Clippers respectively, they both lost, the L.A. teams I'm speaking of, to the Bulls. They both lost in the Staples Center to the Chicago Bulls. And they both beat the San Antonio Spurs. You know, does that mean anything? Not really. A coincidence, probably. But that's the way it shook out. And it was the Clippers' turn to play the Chicago Bulls. And again, they came up short 100-90 to 90 in that particular game. That game against the Bulls, they just simply did not shoot the ball well. It's just, just call it call it what it is. They didn't shoot the ball well. Paul George had, had an off night. 41 minutes, 7 out of 25 from the field. That's not typical Paul George. He was only 2 of 10 from beyond the arc. 11 of 11 from the free throw line. But as usual, Paul George, he stepped up in other categories. He did have 11 rebounds in that game, 4 assists, 
a steal, and a block. Ended up with 27 points, but he was minus three while he was on the floor in the plus-minus column. So that was not your typical Paul George game. That was definitely an atypical game for him. And his sidekick, Reggie Jackson, who also had been playing well during that seven-game winning streak, played 35 minutes, was only four out of 17 from the field. Three of 11 from beyond the arc. Did not play well. Reggie Jackson was minus 12 in the plus-minus column against the Chicago Bulls. So your two two main scores were a combined 11 out of 42 from the field. Ouch. Ouch. That is bad. 11 out of 42, and they were combined 5 out of 21 from beyond the arc. Now, we can't expect these two guys to play at such a high level every single game. Obviously, there's going to be letdowns. There's going to be teams that come into the Staples Center, or if you're on the road, for that matter, and they're going to play well. They're going to play well against the Chicago Bulls have been playing very, very good basketball. They are 9-4 and four on the season. They got a really, really good, young, exciting team. And if you catch them at the wrong time, which the Clippers obviously did, so did the Lakers, you're going to lose to, the, to a team like that. It's just that simple. They did not shoot well, I'm speaking of the Clippers, overall in that game against the Bulls. They were only 29 out of 81 overall collectively for 35.8% from the field. And in most games, that's just not going to cut it. They were only 11 out of 34 from beyond the arc for 32%. And during that seven-game winning streak, the Clippers had been shooting the ball really, really well. So, again, they laid an egg in this particular game. Uh, some of the other players, you had uh, Luke Kennard. He played 23 minutes. Luke Kennard has been playing very, very well. Um, I guess I can get off the uh, get-rid-of-Luke-Kennard bandwagon that I was on last year. Uh, the guy signed a huge contract, and I was all over him last year, but – Hey, the guy is, is shutting me up this year. He's playing very, very well. In this game, he was only two out of six, however. Did not shoot a whole lot of shots. One of three from beyond the arc for five points. Bledsoe had a pretty good game, however, against the Chicago Bulls. He played 36 minutes, seven out of 14 from the field, and he scored 21 points, six rebounds, three assists. Eric Bledsoe is starting to find his footing with this team, folks. He is picking up the place we pace. We know that he can play defense. He's a defensive bulldog. He's not. No, he's not Pat Bev. He's not Pat Bev, Clipper Nation. We know that. The Clip Joint. Clipper Nation. Clipperholics. No, he's not that. But he's an above average, definitely, defensive player. And whatever offensive output that you can get from Eric Bledsoe, especially in a stat line like this, I'll read it again, 36 minutes. 7 out of 14 from the field. 2 of 4 from beyond the arc. Bledsoe is not a three-point shooter. He's not necessarily uh, a huge threat out there from beyond the arc. But just like most NBA players, if you leave them open, with the exception of Ben Simmons, of course. I got to get my Ben Simmons dig in here. Uh, with the exception of him, you leave an NBA player by himself beyond that three-point arc, then they can make that shot. You know, he's not a pure shooter or anything like that. Blesso looks like he needs to be playing linebacker for for the Los Angeles Rams or Los Angeles Chargers or somebody like that. Dude is built like a fire hydrant. But 
he has some offensive skills, and he showed them in that Chicago game with 21 points. Nick Batum did not necessarily have a great game, 35 minutes, only two out of four from the field, one of three from beyond the arc. But as usual, he contributed in other categories. Nick Batum has seven rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block. So what you're going to get from Nick Batum. If he's not scoring, he's going he's gonna to do something else positive in one of these other categories. He's going to get some uh, important rebounds. You know, he'll get, he'll get a blocked shot here or there. He'll get a couple of steals. You know, he can pass the ball. The guy does it all. He does it all. But just like the rest of the team, you know, he did not particularly play all that well against the Chicago Bulls. Now, again, the Chicago Bulls team, if you look up and down their roster, they, you know, their bench is not all that deep, but they're starting five, man. These guys can play starting with DeMar DeRozan. He was killing the Clippers, killing them, killing them softly. 38 minutes, 12 out of 16 from the field. One of one from beyond the arc. Seven rebounds, five assists. Dude was doing it all, plus 14 in the plus minus column. Scored 35 points. They had no answer for DeMar DeRozan. Zero answer. DeMar DeRozan from Cali, USC product, 35 big points. Couldn't do anything with him. Lonzo Ball has landed in a perfect spot in Chicago. Did not work out in Los Angeles with the Lakers. Yeah, kind of toiled around in the, with the uh, New Orleans team. It really kind of didn't fit in right there. You know, especially when Zion came in. You know, Zion is the big star there. Alonzo Ball has found his footing in Chicago. I think this is the perfect team. It's a, it's a young team that likes to run up and down the floor. Fits his style perfectly. Now, in this game, he did not shoot all that well from the floor. Four out of 14. Although he has been shooting the ball really, really well all season, especially from beyond the arc. In this game, he was two out of six. He did have five rebounds, three assists, three steals. That's your typical stat line for Alonzo Ball. Ten points. And the Chicago Bulls teammates, they love the guy. They love the guy. I think it may have been Zach Levine or, or maybe DeRozan. One of those two said... This guy, Lonzo Ball, I'm speaking of, just makes the game a whole lot easier for his teammates. And he does. He does. He's a pass-first point guard. He sees the floor very, very well. Seems like the guy has eyes in the back of his head, just like his little brother over there in Charlotte. They both both play the same type of game. But this guy is the consummate point guard. He's the type of point guard that can win championships. He's been in the league a few years now. He's starting to get it. His shot has gotten better. And he's hell to deal with, you know, against a lot of teams in this NBA. And they love him. They love the guy in Chicago. Zach Levine, the superstar of this team, I would say, 38 minutes. He was 11 out of 27 from the field. 6 of 13 from beyond the arc. 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 29 points. So they, they, they really didn't have any answer for Levine or DeRozan. And our old buddy, Alice Caruso. Caruso, 39 minutes. He was only 2 of 11 from the field, 1 of 5 from beyond the arc. Maybe he was a little nervous coming back to the uh, Staples Center. Not sure, but he did have 9 rebounds and 5 assists, 3 steals, plus 16 in the plus-minus column. So, again, if you're not scoring, this goes for any NBA player. If you're not scoring, you should be doing other things, rebounding, defending, passing, not turning the ball over. 
And that's what this this Chicago Bulls team, that's that's what they do. So again, the Clippers, you know, they they had to lose eventually. And just so happens it was against the Chicago Bulls, who are a very, very hot basketball team. Now, after that particular game, you know, in comes the San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs, who the Lakers also beat. Now they come in and they play the Clippers. It's kind of a, kind of ironic. It's all, it's like when the Lakers play someone, then the Clippers play them. I wonder if it's going to be like that all year. I haven't looked at the schedule that closely to see if that's the case. But in these first um, 15 or so games, it seems like everyone at the Lakers play the Clippers play right behind them. But in any event, the San Antonio Spurs come in. Now, this is another team that's that has some good young players on it. But they could not do anything with the Clippers. This is one of the better games that the Clippers, in my opinion, played. I mean, the ball movement is just so crisp. When they are moving the ball freely like that, this this is definitely a, a Ty Lu trademark, this ball movement. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. Reggie Jackson, 38 minutes, 8 out of 22 from the field. Now, he was only 5 of 17 from beyond the arc. He scored 21 points. Paul George was 10 out of 24, 2 of 9 from uh, beyond the arc, 12 out of 13 from the free throw line. He scored 34 points. And again, he was playing at an MVP level. He also had nine rebounds, four assists. Now, he did have six turnovers. And in this game, by the way, the Clippers had 21 turnovers. And that's kind of concerning. Again, Paul George had six turnovers. Bledsoe had four. Jackson had three. And you had, you know, guys like Coffee had three turnovers. Kennard had a couple. Hartenstein had a couple. Everybody contributed to the turnover column. And they had 21 altogether, but they were able to overcome that and pretty much just overpower the San Antonio Spurs. One of the best plays of the game was a clip that you heard at the beginning of this episode. By the way, that was the King of Rock by Run DMC, that music clip. Run DMC, one of the best rap groups of all time. I'm the King of Rock. There is none higher. Yeah. And the clip that you heard was the alley-oop pass from Reggie Jackson to Isaiah Hartenstein. It was a turnover, and the San Antonio Spurs were going the other way, and I forget which Spurs player was attempting to lay the ball up. Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, of all people, who is not known for his defense, by the way. He's not a stellar defender. He's definitely not a a climb-the-ladder shot blocker. But I guess this San Antonio Spurs player just underestimated Reggie Jackson. He swooped in. He blocked the shot. And he dribbled the ball all the way down to the other end of the court and found Hartenstein on the way to the basket. Hartenstein called for the alley-oop. And Jackson threw it up there, and Hartenstein threw it down with the right hand. By the way, that was the DraftKings dunk of the week that I had posted on Twitter, the Reggie Jackson to Isaiah Hartenstein, fast break, alley-oop dunk. And that just brought the crowd to their feet. And again, Hartenstein is another guy. Hartenstein is another guy who's playing really, really well. If Serge Ibaka, I'm not so sure, you know, when he gets back totally healthy, that he's going to claim that uh, second center off the bench role and get much more minutes than Hartenstein will get. Hartenstein is playing very, very well, folks. He is. 
He was three or three from the field. He rebounds, and he even had a steal in this game. He had three turnovers, as I mentioned, but he was plus 17 while he was on the floor. And he's a very, very tough player down on the block. Very, very good. Very, very good player in the Hartenstein coming off of that bench. Luke Kennard, 31 minutes. He played okay, three of five from the field, one of one from beyond the arc. He also had seven rebounds, ended up with seven points. Luke was plus 31 while he was on the floor. Plus 31. That means he was doing some good things while he was out there. Coffee was plus 24 while he was on the floor. 25 minutes, only one out of three from the field, scored five points. But the young star of this game, the guy that I've been wanting to see ever since they drafted him in the second round, 51st overall, Brandon Boston Jr. I call him BB Jr. This kid has loads of confidence, guys. And there's going to be a lot of teams in the NBA that's going to rue the day that they passed him over. Now, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. I can easily sit back here on this couch and and say, hey, he, he, these teams uh, that was drafting before the Clippers or even in the first round should have taken this guy. In the first round, the Clippers took Keon Johnson. I believe he was taken 23rd overall, something like that. Keon Johnson from Tennessee, the high flyer, the guy who broke the record in the um, – high jump in the uh, NBA combines. He hasn't played, played a game yet. Hasn't seen any action. And the other guy that they drafted in the, in the, uh, the second round, Preston, you know, he's been hurt. Preston's hurt. So Brandon Boston Jr., who was the third player taken as, as uh, again, in the second round, 51st overall, he's the one that's getting the playing time. 20 minutes, four out of seven from the field. Four out of seven from the field, 13 points. This kid has loads and loads of confidence. He had four rebounds, and they love this guy on the team. Paul George says, I love the kid. I love the kid. Even LeBron James uh, mentioned Brandon Boston Jr. as a guy, uh, as Boston Jr. used to run in circles with Bronny James. I believe they played on the same team at one point at Sierra Canyon, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but in my opinion, Brandon Boston Jr. is a better player than Bronny James. This is nothing against you Laker fans, nothing against LeBron James, but I've seen both of these kids play, and this kid, I believe, is better than Bronny James. Now, what happened to him at Kentucky, I'm not sure. He didn't have the impact as a freshman that many thought he was going to have at Kentucky, but he um, elected to apply for the NBA draft anyway. And he's landed in a pretty good spot in Los Angeles with the Clippers. And again, he's going to have a nice career as long as he continues to develop. So this Clipper team, again, they took the loss, took it on the chin against Chicago, but came back and they beat the San Antonio Spurs as well. They should have in the Staples Center. So if you look at the upcoming schedule for the Clippers, next on the schedule, they, on, they're on the road. They have Memphis on Thursday night, tomorrow night, and then they have the, the New Orleans Pelicans. Those are two games, even though they're on the road, uh, two winnable games. Then they come back home to the Staples Center. Seems like the Lakers and the Clippers are always playing at home. Always playing at home. After those two road games against Memphis and New Orleans, they come back and play seven games or six games. I'm sorry. They play Dallas twice in a row 
at the Staples Center. Then they play the Detroit Pistons, who they should easily beat. You know, hey, you guys know I call it like it is. I'm from Detroit, but the Pistons suck. Other than Kay Cunningham, they suck. And November 28th is the big game against Golden State, the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry and company, who's just ravaging through the NBA. That's going to be the game to watch in this upcoming homestand after the game in New Orleans. And then New Orleans comes to Los Angeles to play, and then they play the Sacramento Kings to end the homestand at the Staples Center. So winnable games, winnable games. The one against the Golden State is going to be the biggest test. And actually, I'll say against Dallas, too. Dallas is not a a pushover-type basketball team. Dallas will give them some trouble. And then Sacramento, if they can't do anything else, they can score. So the bottom line with the Clippers is, again, they are playing very, very good basketball. They're sitting at uh, eight and five. And their their offense seems to be in sync right now. Uh, The defense is is, okay. Sometimes they have uh, defensive lapses and things like that, like many other teams do. But their ball movement is very, very crisp, very, very crisp. They'll throw that ball over over top of the defense on the other side of the court and and, and it makes make the uh defenders rotate over and then the, the Clippers simply just the pass the ball on the other end of the or the other side of the court again. And then you have a guy wide open in the corner ready to shoot a jump shot. Or somebody like Bledsoe or George or even Reggie Jackson will drive down the middle, draw the defense into the lane, and you have two guys in the corner where, uh, say, Jackson, if it's Jackson, for example, uh, driving down lane, he'll either see Paul George in one corner, Nick Batum in the other. He has a choice on which one to pass it to. That's how crisply their offense is running, and Ty Lue loves it. Again, this is a Ty Lue offense. He has his imprint all over this particular offense, and the Clippers are running it to a T. If they can just if they can play this type of basketball all the way through the All-Star break, and hopefully by that time, Kawhi Leonard may be ready to come back. But even if he isn't, the Clippers are going to be in the Western Conference race for the entire year. And again, that march to an all-L.A. Western Conference Finals is still on the table. Even though the Lakers aren't playing their best basketball right now, I have every confidence that the Lakers are going to make it to that Western Conference Finals. The Clip Joint, Clipper Nation, Clipperholics. They're going to be right there as well. And L.A. Ray is going to get his wish Western Conference Finals between these two L.A.-based teams. So with that, I'll leave it there as far as the Clippers is concerned. And before I get into my second segment around the NBA, here's a word from our sponsor, DraftKings.com. The NHL season is underway in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a depth deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. 
throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net. Nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, all right, all right. Again, this is your boy L.A. Ray Harris of L.A. Corsat Podcast. Again, brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings.com, of which you just heard a promo there. If you want to sign up for DraftKings.com, make sure you use promo code TBPN. That stands for the Basketball Podcast Network. Again, promo code TBPN. In this segment, I just briefly want to talk about the naming rights to the Staples Center that's getting ready to have a name change over to Crypto.com Arena. Now, if, if you want to know why the, the average Joe has been priced out of big time sports, this is why. Now, you know, I'm not naive uh, to, to, to not know that this is a capitalistic society. We live in the United States and there's nothing illegal going on with this. Naming rights is a part of big business in sports. This particular one, though, $700 million dollars seven stacks 700 stacks i'm sorry naming rights deal crypto.com arena that will be the new name of the staples center now keep in mind the staples center is a naming rights deal by staples the office supply store so i guess their naming rights deal is up and in comes cryptocurrency.com and for those of you who are not aware of what cryptocurrency is, if you're not, you're, you've been sleeping for a long time. Uh, supposedly, this is the new wave uh, moving forward or sometime in the future of money exchanges. You know, instead of having dollar bills in your pocket, you're going to have cryptocurrency coins inside a, a, a cryptocurrency app where you can pay for goods and services using cryptocurrency not going to get into the ins and outs of cryptocurrency or anything like that but it's huge and this goes to show you how big cryptocurrency is if they're going to be paying this crypto.com which is uh, i believe based in singapore 700 million dollars over 20 years that's 35 million dollars a year folks that they're going to be paying aeg which is the owner of the staples center over a 20-year period and if you go back to the history of naming rights, you, you have some some companies that have naming rights with more than one arena. For example, Miami Heat, they play in American Airlines Arena. Of course, the naming rights is from uh, American Airlines, the airline uh, company. American Airlines also has name rights to the Dallas Mavericks arena it's called the american airlines center so you have the american airlines arena in miami and american airlines center in dallas now 6.5 million dollars is what american airlines paid for the naming rights to uh the arena in dallas 
only 2.1 million for the one in Miami. So, so just just think about that number there for a minute. Carolina pa- Panthers, Bank of America Stadium, they paid seven million dollars. Philadelphia Phillies, Citizens Bank, 2.3 million. In Detroit, Comerica Park, by Comerica Bank, $2 million. And now you have Federal Express. They have naming rights to two different stadiums, Washington Redskins, or, excuse me, the Washington football team, FedEx Field, $7.6 million. FedEx Forum, where the Memphis Grizzlies play, $4.5 million. And, you know, you can go on and on and on, but some of these dollar amounts are very very small compared to what cryptocurrency is getting ready to pay AEG for the naming rights to the Staples Center it's, it's, it's totally totally ridiculous but this is the way of big time sports nowadays the Houston Astros they play in Minute Maid Park naming rights by Coca-Cola big money big money Pepsi Pepsi's in the deal the Pepsi Center in Denver you know so, you know, the, the, the little guy, the little guy, like, you know, I'm a little guy too. You know, these tickets are very, very expensive. Let me give you an example. The Los Angeles Lakers, they travel to play the New York Knicks on the 23rd. Tickets as low as low, tickets as low as $250. Now, we all know the tickets in New York is just outrageous. But $250 for the lowest price ticket. When the Lakers play the Clippers on December the 3rd, lowest price ticket is $128. You know, how many people can afford that? And that's probably up in the nosebleed seats, by the way. When they travel to Chicago to play the Bulls on the 19th, tickets as low as $270. Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, tickets as low. Well, this one's going to be in L.A. And again, it also depends on who the team is playing, by the way. They definitely factor that in. So they're playing Brooklyn on Christmas Day when the arena's name is going to be changed to Crypto.com. December 25th versus Brooklyn. Tickets as low as $255. That's more than what the tickets is for the Knicks game. Don't think that's not a, that's, don't think that's a coincidence, folks. $255 on Christmas Day. Now, is it that much because it's Christmas Day? Yes, but trust and believe... The tickets are that pricey because that's the first day that the arena will be named the cryptocurrency or crypto. I'm sorry, crypto.com arena. It just doesn't sound right. And they asked some of the uh, Clippers players, by the way, like Reggie Jackson. He mentioned, hey, when I grew up, you know, it was Kobe Bryant, Shaq. And then you have the, you know, the history of the um, the Lakers teams playing in the Staples Center, and that's what they're going to call it. A lot of fans have already said that, hey, I'm not calling this the Crypto.com Arena. I mean, what is this .com Arena? It doesn't even sound right. Hey, the Lakers are playing. Where are they playing at? They're playing at Crypto.com. Who's going to say that? Who's going to call that arena that? Not I, that's for sure. Not going to call it that. So, not sure... How that's going to work out, but $700 million is a lot of money. $700 million is a lot of money to pay for naming rights for a stadium. But apparently this crypto.com, they have the money to do it. 
And of course, AEG, the owner of the arena in Los Angeles, they're not going to turn down $700 million. They probably can care less what the arena is called, as long as people flock in there to see the Lakers play and the Clippers play, at least until the Clippers move into their new home in 2024 in the Intuit Dome in, uh, in Inglewood. So just wanted to throw that out there that, that you know, big time sports is really just, you know, pricing the average Joe out of the arena. You have a lot of corporate, you know, um, uh, guys and or corporate uh, blue suits, I'll call them, let's say corporate blue suits that buy up all these tickets. And, you know, most of the time they're sitting on their hands. They're not making a whole bunch of noise or you got a bunch of, you know, movie stars and, you know, just rich, rich, rich folks that can afford these tickets. But are they really, really the, the, the big time sports fans like you and I are? Yeah, probably not. But hey, it is what it is. This is America. You know, like Don King says, it's America. It's America. It's a capitalistic society. And if someone's offering 700 million stacks, then, you know, you're going to take it. That, that's just the bottom line. You're going to take it. So just wanted to throw that out there to see what everyone thought about that. So with that, I'd like to end this particular episode. Again, thank you all for listening. You know, thank you all for the support. If you don't want to miss any future episodes of LA Courtside Podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, whatever platform that you use, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, uh, Google, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcast from, look for LA Courtside Podcast and subscribe to it so you don't miss any future episodes as we march to an all-LA Western Conference Finals between the LA Clippers and the LA Lakers. And with that, LA Sports fans, again, I'm going to leave right there until the next episode, which I'll feature the LA Lakers and their last few games that they have played. Peace.